The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Monday, August 26, 2019. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. So, feed a fever, starve a cold. Feed a cold, starve a fever. All I know is nuka hurricane, strafe a nor'easter. Or is it torpedo a tsunami? Go building to building via urban guerrilla warfare against a cyclone. Anyway, the Trumpistas were wrong. They thought that you could nuke a hurricane out of existence. But no, they should have looked into buying the hurricane from Denmark and then bombing Greenland. Oh no, I'm giving them terrible ideas. Of the crazy stuff that has come out of the White House, perhaps that, nuking the hurricane, perhaps that was the stupidest in recent days, but it actually wasn't the most dangerous. Here on ABC's This Week, they played a montage to mark just the last few days of crazy, and I want to play it for you and then make a point. Well, Greenland, I don't know, it got released somehow. We'd be interested, but we'll talk to them a little bit. It's not number one on the burner, I can tell you that. I thought that the prime minister's statement that it was absurd, that was a, it was an absurd idea, it was nasty. I'm also very, very concerned with the Second Amendment. We have very strong background checks right now. I have an appetite for background checks. We're going to be doing background checks. Yeah, we're looking at various tax reductions. I'm not looking at a tax cut now. We don't need it. We have a strong economy. One thing I have to do is economically take on China. Because China has been ripping us off for many years. Somebody had to do it. I am the chosen one. You know exactly what I meant. It was sarcasm. It was joking. We were all smiling. Do you want to know what's crazy about that amount of crazy? Is that they didn't even play the worst thing. The worst thing was the following tweet by Trump. My only question is, who is our bigger enemy Jay Powell or Chairman Xi, Trump asked, you know, people are asking kind of way. Yeah, that's a great question, Mr. President. Who's the greater enemy? The leader of the world's second biggest economy with a military of 2.3 million people and a nuclear arsenal of hundreds of warheads who is actively hacking and spying on U.S. domestic actions or the guy you appointed? Neither is an enemy, by the way. But one of these entities is entirely of your doing. I've got to say, a lot of what Trump does shocks and appalls and frightens me, probably you too. But at least I get, even if his thought process is off, what the thought process is, like all the lying. Well, lying works, right? 40% of the public is with him no matter what. And then there's the racism. There is a constituency for racism. But what is it with the public browbeating of the guy you appointed, be it Jeff Sessions, Tom Price, or now Jay Powell. How does that help you? How does that get anywhere? How does that amount to anything? So a bit later on the show this week, Chris Christie was on to address some presidential meanderings. Christie here was talking about the specific policy of guns, but the pattern is the same with Trump on almost every issue. I think he still does mean it. My view is I think he still does mean about background checks. I think what he did not anticipate, and you could fault him for this, but I don't think he anticipated that the people in Congress, yeah, the people in Congress would give him as hard a time about background checks as they are. And I think he's now trying to maneuver his way to a place where he can get something done. I believe from speaking to him 
that he believes that expanding background checks makes sense. He's now got to figure out, and this is what happens a little bit when you have someone who's, who's still not used to the legislative negotiation process. When you don't have any experience at it, you go out and say something, and he expects people are going to follow. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's not used to the negotiating process? Like he's on break in Europe, and there is a sign that's in metric? He's not used to it? When you don't have experience as he doesn't, maybe you should turn to someone with experience. Like, for instance, in the case of Donald Trump, appoint a guy like, I don't know, Chris Christie to run your transition, maybe serve on your staff. Of course, if Trump did that, then Christie wouldn't have any free time to go on TV and continue issuing excuses about Trump's inexperience. And Chris Christie says it like it's exculpatory. It's inculpatory, Chris. Inculpatory. You know, as Trump said to the hurricane, just blow it up, blow it all up. On the show today, it's a spiel where we hear from Everything is Alive host Ian Chillog as he interviews dozens and dozens of items subject to tariff, which is to say almost all the items. But first, you know the expression, I never forget a face? Well, journalist Sadie Dingfelder probably knows the expression, but it means nothing to her, like uh, a stitch in time saves nine or... Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, maybe she knew that came from Troy. But Sadie has a condition that I have to say I find fascinating. Face blindness. It's real and it's well chronicled in her Washington Post piece, My Life with Face Blindness. Everything that you wanted to know about face blindness with Sadie Dingfelder up next. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. You've heard me talk about The Jordan Harbinger Show because it's one of my favorites. He does in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds. I can name a few. Barbara Boxer, Anderson Cooper, Michael McFall, the Ukraine or Russia ambassador talking about Ukraine. One I recently listened to was Stanley McChrystal, the general, the former general. And he told uh, an interesting story about revering Robert E. Lee. But then, after having a portrait of him for 40 years, he's a 63-year-old man throwing it in the trash. Because his wife says, you know, what that picture and that man means to you, it doesn't mean to other people, and you have to understand that. And then in the interview, they got around to the point where McChrystal talked about that interview in Rolling Stone magazine that pretty much ended his career, where I uh, got to the desk of Barack Obama, and it had McChrystal saying unflattering things about the war effort and just how he talked to his wife and how they decided not to be bitter and not to wallow in. He could have taken some shots at the process, the reporter or the president at that point, but he didn't. It was just an overall good interview. It was facilitated by Jordan's excellent interview style. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you will find something useful that can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way or discovering a little mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in hard, B-I-N-G-E, as in how you'll want to catch up on all the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is a condition that you may have heard of, perhaps even mocked or wondered, is that real? But oh, it's real. And my next guest has it. It is face blindness. 
It was written about in a Washington Post magazine essay, My Life with Face Blindness, When Your Brain Doesn't Let You Recognize People, How Do You Navigate the World? Good question. Sadie Dingfelder is here with the answers and the explanations and some puzzlings that will emanate from my brain. Hello, Sadie. (laughs) Hello. The answer is easy. You just fake it a lot, just all the time. Yeah. But, and here's the interesting thing, you've always had it, but didn't know you had it because why? You didn't even know it was a condition that a person could have for a while? It's crazy. I mean, it's just, um, it gets at the question of how do you see the world? Like, unless you stay up at night and wondering, like, if the red you see is the same red everyone else sees, this isn't the kind of thing that occurs to you, that, like, the whole world just looks different to me than it does to almost everyone else. Right. So when you were younger, you would not recognize people, but you didn't recognize that you weren't recognizing people. Right. Like, I I knew that I wasn't great at names, but that's really pretty common. And uh, when I first realized, you know what, this is my something about my brain is not quite normal. I went home for Thanksgiving and uh, my aunt had dyed her hair blonde. And I was like, Mom, I didn't know you were coming. And um, everyone in my family is so strange that no one even thought that that was particularly weird. They were like, oh, Sadie's so huh. daft. Yeah. So, but I was like, you know what? That was weird. Like, I should be able to recognize my mom. Did you, so let's say you would go into a place, okay, college. You'd go to your room and there'd be your roommate there. There'd be the person sitting on your roommate's bed. Would you, of course, always know it was your roommate because that's the person to be sitting on her bed and maybe wearing the glasses she wore, but actually not recognize her face? Or would it never occur to you that this person has uh, what should be a recognizable face? Yeah, you know, it's like um, I had a, I have a lot of heuristics and shortcuts that work most of the time or work surprisingly well, right. you know, like um, – like, for instance, my husband in the kitchen, like, he's a 350-pound man. If there's a very large man in the kitchen, like, in his boxers, I just assume it's my husband. But if someone wanted to play <laughs> a really <laughs> terrible not. prank on me, they really could. Like, I, I, I would take me – it might take a while before I noticed. <laughs> Are you drawn to people of extreme dimensions because it's easier for you to remember them? Yes, and this is actually really common. So now I'm on I'm on the Face Blind book. That's like the Facebook group for face blind people. And one of the <laughs> Or as they call it the book. The, the book. book book or just the book. <laughs> <laughs> but we a lot of yeah, every I mean it sounds so shallow, but I looking back at my life like I had my best friend in college had long blue hair. One of my best friends now has purple hair. Like, uh, and uh, so, yeah. And one of my, another one of my good friends is like just very, very tall and thin. Like, an average looking person has to be very, very persistent to become friends with me. (laughs) Maybe this is what is driving Tim Burton's work. You ever think of that? (laughs) All of his characters are, you know, one of those extremes. That's a good point, but they all look the same, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So before I I have all these implication questions, but uh, I have read the essay. For those who haven't, how'd you crack the code? What was the... What was the proximate cause to say, I have this and I'm going to seek help? So I was um, I was in a grocery store with my husband, and he pulled a jar of peanut butter off of the shelf. And I, and I think he, like, dropped it in the cart, and I pulled it out, and I was like, since when do you buy generic? Because he's just, like, known mm-hmm. to hate generic peanut butter. And um, 
And then I looked at his face, and his face sort of morphed like that Michael Jackson video, um, black or white. It, like, morphed from the stranger's—from my husband's face into, like, the stranger's face as he had this sort of look of surprise on it. And I realized that I was half projecting my husband's face onto the stranger, and and I was realizing my mistake. And I think—and I just dropped the the peanut butter jar and just, like, ran off when I realized it. I go, you're not my husband. Like, I was accusing him of trying to trick me, (laughs) and I just ran off. (laughs) And, I mean, I like to think that he just uh, thought I was, like, just very aggressive market research or something. Yeah, like, like someone from the <laughs> Skippy or Jif Corporation. Yeah, trying big, to big shame Jiffy. a generic peanut butter guy. Yeah, <laughs> big Jiffy has gotten. <laughs> That's how they do it now. I know it's really right. intense. <laughs> so you talk to your husband, and then do you know that this condition? I mean, it's in the popular culture, usually as a joke. I don't know. There's probably a character on Thirty Rock or something who had it. Did you know the condition existed? Is that when you connected it in the supermarket that day? You know, I knew the condition existed because I'd read this great Oliver Sacks essay about it in 2010. But and I right. and I'd even like occasionally said something like, "Oh, I'm a little face blind," but like I meant it like a joke, you know, like um, like mm-hmm. if someone was like, "I'm a little blind," but who aren't, you know? And um, yeah. And when and finally, when I was I was actually just trying to write up that story for my book, and I was, you know, like I feel like as a good journalist, you can tell when there's something someone's glossing over or like something that's missing from yes. the story. This is just not adding up at all. This is not a normal thing. And so I just started Googling face blindness, and um, and I know how to do, uh, you know, decent medical research and psychology research. So I started pulling up all these studies, and um, I contact – and I found this person who has a program for fixing it, who has this computer program for fixing it. So I emailed him, and I was like, hey, can I, can I try your program? I think I have this. And then that just sent me down this, like, really crazy rabbit hole. Like, I thought it was just going to be sort of a fun lark. Like, oh, this is a Mm. funny, weird thing about my brain. And then it just sort of upended everything I ever thought about my life story. It's been really crazy. Yeah, as you say, I'd bought a ticket for a Ferris wheel. There was your fun lark. And it ended up being launched into space because you began questioning, wait a minute, what I considered my personality, was that just an adaptation to my condition? Uh, Was I a self-described loner or off-putting in middle school because that is my personality or because I was just adapting to this condition? Yeah. And even crazier is like I just had this belief that I had no friends from age – from about like fifth grade to eighth grade. And, you know, that's not a great time for a lot of people. And I figured it was just because I was weird and kids are mean, you know. Um, but then and when I posted this on Facebook and tagged a bunch of people who I knew had gone to school with me in those years because they continued going to school with me later, um, mm-hmm. all, these, all these people were like, what are you talking about? I was your friend. And I was like, "What? You didn't? You didn't even like move to Tampa until you were in high school or something?" And, and this girl was like, "Oh no, we were friends. I went to your house. We made fudge, like on your stove, like we and all this stuff." And I was like, "Oh my god! Like people have been trying to become friends with me and even like kind of succeeding and completely not making a mark in my brain." How about is it the, is it just with in person faces or what about faces on a TV screen or a movie screen? Oh yeah, this is classic. All the face blind police people say this, um, but I cannot follow a movie. Like first of all, I never watch movies or television. I don't think it's because I'm like very cultured or something. Um, I just can't follow the plots because someone 
like a character puts on a hat, and I'm like, who is that? Why are we following him now? Uh-huh. Like, what happened to the main huh. character? <laughs> Could you watch Friends because they all had different haircuts? Um, Chandler, like the two guys, I would get mixed up. Like, pretty often. Uh-huh. I think it was, like, Chandler. Was it less enjoyable for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I really identified with Phoebe because both of us, like, come off as very daft, but I think we're secretly smart. Deft, but secretly deft. And what about Sex in the City? Because there was a redhead, uh, the two blondes of different sizes, and a brown-haired girl. That must have been okay for you. That was fine, yes. I, I like it when people have distinctive <laughs> hair. <laughs> what about cartoons? Do you like car- are cartoons easier for you to follow? Um, they're always the same. They're always Homer never looks different. Not only are they always the same, they're always wearing the same clothes. I wish that people in real life yes. would follow that rule. I want everyone in a uniform. That would be so much easier. But do you like? I mean, do you like The Simpsons more than most people? Do you like <laughs> cartoons? Are you a fan of Adult Swim for this reason? Ah, uh, I do like. I do. I think you're right. Like, I I hadn't thought about it, but I do prefer cartoons to live action. I think. <laughs> if you have face blindness, does that also mean you have difficulty discerning micro expressions, which they tell us are unbelievably important in terms of communication? Yeah. No. Actually, one thing that's so interesting about face blindness is that there's all, all these different parts of your brain are involved with all these facial sorts of jobs. Like, so for instance, so I am as good as anyone at recognizing emotions, micro emotions. I haven't really checked that, but um Probably I'm average because I haven't trained on it. Um, I can tell age. Mm-hmm. I can tell I where people are looking. Um, yeah, so all those basic sorts of things I'm fine at because none of them involve this little olive-shaped piece of brain, this tiny little piece of my brain. The fusiform face area. Yeah, the fusiform face area. Yeah. I have the FFA of a below-average macaque. <laughs> <laughs> How do they even know? Um, oh, because when, they do the tests on the macaques and they're not great. They're not great. But some, some chimpanzees <laughs> tell each other from their butts better than their faces. And um, another, are, you good, are you good at butt recognition? I wish I could find <laughs> out. I'm going to join a nudist colony and I'll let you know. <laughs> it would be very hard to test that. Well, what percentage of the population has it? I know, or yeah. I'm not even meaning just from your macaque type level. Oh, has yeah. it at all? Well, so generally, the NIH I believe will say like two percent. That's a pretty big group of people. And also, it's funny because like I'm, I'm pretty like solidly face blind, right? But I didn't yeah. even realize it. Like I didn't realize it. So either right. I'm a genius at coping, or like. Oh, I think a lot of people are geniuses at coping, and there's a lot of people out there. Like, I've gotten so many emails from people who are like, oh, my God, I just thought, like, I was an asshole and didn't bother to learn, like, remember anyone. But now I think I'm like you. And I'm like, great. I'm glad I could help. Do you think it's more about how how you work and how your um, perception works, more about not seeing in the moment or not remembering? Does it deal uh, with memory and the part of your brain that holds on to the face as opposed to what you're actually discerning the moment you're staring at the face? Yes, it's a entire. It's pretty much a memory. Well, it's a memory problem because, um, but it's also a perception problem. Uh, like when I'm looking at someone, I can see them as sharply as anyone. And if I could draw, which I can't, um, I could do a good sketch of someone if they were right in front of me. I think. But what yeah. I don't do is enco- so. Normal people do this amazing thing where they create a three-dimensional representation of faces in their brains after seeing them only once. 
And you can rotate that perception in your head, in your mind, and imagine what someone looks like from different angles. Like, if I learn to recognize you from straight on, great. But mm-hmm. it's not going to apply to, like, three-quarters of you, you know, or a profile of you, or it might not. And um, so if someone's in shadow, I mean, think about how differently someone looks in shadow versus in bright light. Like, there's all these different ways that people sort of appear. And... Um, and you, normal people, are able to figure it out. And it's hard, so hard to do. Your brain has devoted a specific chunk of itself to doing all of this. And uh, mine didn't get quite up to speed, I guess. Wow. <laughs> what does Mount Rushmore look like to you? <laughs> Just a pile of rocks. <laughs> Just some rocks. <laughs> What's the big deal? I don't care what the big deal is. <laughs> well, it's funny, it really actually. looks like Matt Rushmore. Well, another thing that's interesting that I just learned about is something called, like, aphantasia. Have you heard of that? Uh, yeah, it's when, you, it's when you hate a Disney movie involving <laughs> dancing brooms. <laughs> it's exactly. It's, um, it's the inability to imagine things in your mind's eye. And, uh, oh, yes, yes. It's fascinating. Yeah, I think I have this, too. I think this is a part. I mean, I have only this. When I try to imagine my husband's face, all I see are very bushy eyebrows. Like, that's it. <laughs> I, I think other people huh. get a much better mental picture. Wow. So you think that, like, he ran for president in 1988. You didn't realize <laughs> it was Dukakis. <laughs> um do you have compensation skills? Are you very attuned to voices? I don't – I wish I had some magic powers. I think my only compensation is that I'm just super friendly. If anyone is seems like they're looking in my direction, I will be like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, you. So <laughs> how Sadie's conquering of face blindness led her to be abducted <laughs> by a stranger. <laughs> I know. I actually got some emails from people who were like, don't publicize the fact you're face blind or people will take advantage of it. And I was like, oh, no. Maybe they will. (laughs) And like one time I literally (laughs) tricked this poor woman on the street into having a conversation with me. And I realized like sentences in that I didn't know this person. Like I was like, hey, I haven't seen you in a minute. And she was like, oh, yeah, Brad and I just got back from our house in the Berkshires. And my brain was like, I don't know anyone that preppy. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So interesting. Now, I got to tell you, this is maybe not a compliment to me, but I would be totally paranoid when it came to mistaking a person of one race for the other race because of the whole, (laughs) oh, you think we all look the same thing. I I would be so, once I found out about that, I would be as as maybe apologetic as I would be in normal life. I I don't know. I'd go so much of the extra mile not to make that mistake. (laughs) Oh, no, it's really bad. Uh, And also like, yeah, it, that's a really bad one. And I always – and I can't be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just face blind. I do this with absolutely everyone all the time because no one will believe you. Anyway, so at the same time that this whole experience has taught me that my soul personality, my whole self is like contained in this globular brain of mine, it's also taught me that that reality is so constructed. Like for everyone, we have – we're just have an approximation of – objective reality in our minds and it's usually pretty good but it's not always you know it's not perfect (laughs) no it's not Sadie (laughs) Dingfelder is the author of my life with face blindness when your brain won't let you recognize people how do you navigate the world it's in the Washington Post magazine as I think you can glean from this conversation it couldn't be more fascinating thank you for talking to me Sadie thank you And now, the spiel. With Donald Trump and the Chinese going tete-a-tete on tariffs, 
The world is just made to sit by and wonder what the hell are wrong with these people. I mean, what else can you do? We here in the world of podcasting are throwing up our hands just as much as you are. But what we've done, or what one of us has done, is to undertake an effort so that you understand the goods and items that are currently under tariff. Because it's so hard. As I page through the harmonized tariff schedule, I encounter a passage like this. Chapter 13, gums, resins, and other vegetable saps and extracts. Note 1. Heading 1302 applies inter alia to licorice extract and extract of pyrethrum, extract of hops, extract of aloes, and opium. I can't do a thing with that. But you know who can? Ian Chillog. He can and he has been. Ian is the host of the podcast, Everything is Alive, where he interviews inanimate objects like a lamppost, a bar of soap, a grain of sand. But now things have turned serious because we are at war, trade war. And it's important that the soldiers in this war not be seen as a faceless, undifferentiated mass. They must be given their voice. To that end, for the past few months, as tariffs have been threatened, imposed, countered, up, downed, and reimposed, Ian Chillog has been interviewing every item that is subject to a tariff. In fact, it's a never-ending live stream on the Everything is Alive site, just interview after interview with every single substance on the hit SOTUS, the harmonized tariff schedule of the United States. Ian gave us permission to dip in and monitor this never-ending tariff marathon. Let's check it out. Hi, I, I don't think we've met before. You are, wait, wait, you are a waffle. Hello, my name is Ashton, and I'm a waffle. Harmonized tariff schedule of the United States, subhead 1905.32.00, waffles and wafers. Oh, I, I didn't realize waffles and wafers were the same category. They don't seem like they should be the same category. Is it alphabetical? No, German waffle, Dutch wafer, same deal. So you're German. I mean, way back growing up, we weren't much connected to our heritage. I think my grandfather spoke some German, but it was more like, uh, you're a waffle, be proud to be a waffle. Not to be specifically proud to be a German-based food product. Oh, and as a waffle, are you, you know, pleased that the president has stuck to his guns? You know, given your reputation for waffling? No, no, funny thing, and I get this a lot. Waffles don't waffle in any way. Among the breakfast cakes were among the sturdiest. French toast, pancakes, crepes. Don't get me started on crepes. All more susceptible to wind. It's kind of a misimpression. Kind of like the Greenland-Iceland thing. Yes, good analogy. It's really not a problem. I get it all the time. That and the unfortunate association with Belgium. Unfortunate? Less said about that, the better. All right, let's, uh, let's just leave that there. Thanks, Ashton. Hello there. You are... I'm Connie. And you are, I, I don't want to assume, but I want to say you're ice cream? Actually, I'm 2105.00.50 Edible Ice, except ice cream, not described in Add U.S. Note 1 to Chapter 4. Edible Ice? Thanks, no cone. Right, got it. Uh, edible Ice. So, Edible Ice is different from ice cream. But... One question, isn't all ice edible? Uh, I'm made to be edible. I'm not here to cool what you ingest. I am what you ingest. Cool. Absolutely no pun intended. 
No pun really given, more cold than cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Connie. Hi, I'm Kelly, and I'm 7117.90.10 necklaces, wholly of plastic shapes on a fiber string. Hi, Kelly. Uh, can I ask, how does it make you feel to be not valued over 30 cents per dozen? I don't set my value like that. To me, if I can attach myself to the arm or ankle of a little girl, I'm happy. You can't put a price on that. No, I, I guess you can't. But with the tariffs, you literally can. Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought of that. And you there, you are... Hello, I'm Connor, 6107.99.90, men's or boys' bathrobes, dressing gowns, and similar articles of textile materials. So, which is it? Oh, you mean men or boys? I do. I do. Here's the thing. I don't put that much weight on myself, and I hope others won't either. You know, I'm what I would call a medium size. I think of myself as medium. It says it right here in the tag. Which makes sense. I just think of myself as myself, which is a sort of medium self. And I could see a man or a boy wearing me. How would that make you feel? Good, but let me just say, tie the belt. Just tie the belt. It's uh, it's good advice. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. Uh, And now we have Brenda. Brenda, I don't want to judge by appearances, but uh, you seem to be a chicken pot pie. Actually, beef. Oh, a, a beef pot pie. Well, for tariff purposes, I'm 1602.50.90. Prepared or preserved meat of bovine animals, containing cereals or vegetables. So, were you a cow? Are you, right now, you know, in some way, sort of the ghost of a cow? Ian, no. Are you the ghost of whatever your mother ate while she was pregnant with you? You know, I I never thought of it. I, I don't think so. Yeah. My self-conception is more beef pot pie. Formally, you know, on the birth certificate, though, it's prepared or preserved meat of bovine animals containing cereals or vegetables. Okay. I have a couple follow-up questions. There are a couple of ambiguities there. Prepared or preserved? Cereal or vegetable? All and both. I have vegetables and grains. Also, before preserving the beef, of course, you got to prepare it. So I am all of those things. Thanks, Brenda. And thanks to all our guests. This is the Everything is Alive Tariff Marathon. Coming up in the what's now been months-long trade war, we'll be joined by Umberto, 9026.20.80 Instruments and Apparatus, other than mouth organs. And Claire, 9604.00.00, hand sieves and hand riddles. We'll see you soon. And that's it for today's show. Pierre Bienname and Daniel Schrader produced the gist, one's good with syrup, the other's fun to steal from a hotel room, but also available for purchase from the concierge. Guess what? I'll be away the rest of the week. My guest hosts will include, or literally be, Katie Herzog, Seth Stevenson, and Lauren Ober. I will see you the day after Labor Day. The gist. Join us that week. 
as we feature a two-parter with 9902.12.06 vinyl rings slitted on one side to attach to the bottom of toilet brush caddies valued no greater than 83 cents each. Oomperoo de Peru, and thanks for listening. <laughs>